Welcome to the Granary Church podcast. We're happy you could join us. For more information on the Granary Church, head to granary.org.au or follow our socials at the Granary Church. Welcome to church. Um, I have a story to tell. Who has ever had a day where you just have three or four just random, completely what the heck is going on with my day things happen? Anyone? Just like what I had a day on Thursday, I did some shopping. Now, I love shopping. Clara does not. She cannot be bothered with shopping. If she has to go do that, I don't go with her because it's in the shop, out the shop. There's no debate. There's no looking at all the nice sales. There's no going to EB Games. There's no going to JB Hi-Fi and definitely not Katmandu. But when it's just me, I like to just walk around through the store, take my time. While I was at the shops, I got a text from Clara asking me to stop at a store called Lush. Anyone know what that, I didn't know what that was. Um, So I went to the directory that has the beautiful little sticker that says you are here and then typed in Lush and it wasn't at Charlestown, like it wouldn't come up. So the thing that she wanted me to get her, obviously I couldn't get her because she wanted the specific thing from Lush, not gonna work, but I'm walking, enjoying my time, and in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, she wants hand cream. Maybe I'll try to find another store that has some hand cream. And lo and behold, wonder of God, in the middle of the aisle, you know those little pop-up shops that sell random things? Guess what they were selling? Hand cream. Absolutely. You got it, Stu. So I walk up to the shelf that's there, and I was expecting to have a nice, you know, isolated just me and no one else look at all of the products and see if I could find some hand cream. But the person running the stall had a completely different idea. And she comes up and she's like, hello, my name is Leon. I'm from Israel and I'm here to sell you some beauty products. And I was like, whoa, you're here to sell me some beauty products. And before I know it, she's got a hold of my hand and she's got a file and she's going at my thumb. So I have this ridiculously shiny thumb that just uh, shines is what it does. And she just went to town telling me about how amazing this is. It's gonna last for a month. It's amazing. This thumb is awesome. This was my trip to Charlestown. It was incredible. And then like I ended up getting a hand massage and like lotion put, I don't, it just, by the time I left, I was thinking, what happened? I was just like fully like in shock. I had no idea what to do with myself. And then I needed to go get a haircut. So I moved from there and in kind of a state of just a stupor, just dazed, I go to get my haircut and the lady's there and she's just so excited about her life because on the weekend she partied hard and it was amazing and she had a really good time and her and her boyfriend went fishing and they're just very excited about life. And as she's explaining this story to me, she's very colorful about how she would express it using words that I probably wouldn't use from the stage at least, um, only in Sydney traffic. And she's, she's telling me all of these amazing things about how her weekend went. And then she asked me, so what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a youth pastor. And her face went from like the most joyous, happy expression to just, she kind of had a shock moment similar to what I'd had earlier in the day, right? So she's shocked. And in that moment, because I've been studying what we're going to talk about tonight throughout the week, my heart sank, absolutely sank, 
because it was obvious to me that she had had an encounter with the law and very little encounter with love. Because as soon as she found out that I was a pastor, her immediate assumption was, judgment's coming. I'm not going to be accepted in this space anymore. So tonight, that's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about how Jesus saw the law and how he sees us in the light of that. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 to 20 says this, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So in the last week, um, last two weeks, we've been talking about Matthew and Sue preached a cracker of a sermon on the Beatitudes, the blessed are they who mourn. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. And so Jesus has just finished saying that. And what seems to be happening here for his disciples, the people listening, is he seems to be changing the way everything is done, right? Because if you look back at the Beatitudes, Jesus has said some very strange things. He said, if you're mourning, you're blessed. Who feels like, yeah, super blessed when I'm mourning? I mean, he's like, if you're grieving, you're blessed. If, if you look at the world and see injustice everywhere and awful things happening and it burns your heart and makes you sad, you're blessed. Like he's saying these things that don't make any sense. So they're like, okay, hang on. Are you just going to throw out everything that we've learned our entire lives that's been taught to us that probably if you don't live a good life, worse things are going to happen to you? And Jesus is saying, no, I'm not here to throw out the law. But what I am here to do is to complete it. I'm here to fulfill something, and not just to complete the prophecies, so to fulfill the messianic prophecies, but I'm also going to add the finishing touches to the law. And Jesus, so when we talk about the law, the Old Testament of the Bible, the Hebrew language has a word for that, and that is Torah, and that can refer to the first six books of the Bible, first five, or it can refer to the entire Old Testament. Okay, so Jesus is saying, I have not come to get rid of the Torah and the prophecies. I've actually come to fulfill the prophecies and add the finishing touches to the Torah. I have come to complete the law. The second thing that he's indicating is that everything in the story, everything in the law was there for a purpose. And that purpose was to prepare the way for him. Jesus saw himself as the one who had the responsibility to complete the law. And this is a really powerful moment in Scripture because it's actually one of the moments where Jesus claims to be God. To the Hebrew people, for someone to say, I'm the one who's going to finish the law. I'm the one who's going to complete it. That is paramount, tantamount to him saying, I'm God. Because who writes the law? God. No one else has the authority to do that. So in this moment, the disciples are absolutely rocked. And they're like, wait a minute. Jesus, that's like, we know you're a rabbi. We know you're our teacher. But what you're saying is 
it kind of seems like you are going to change everything. It kind of seems like everything is going to change. And yes, absolutely things are going to change. But what he wants to change is not the law, but their perspective on the law. Because of who he was, Jesus believed that he was going to get the final say. Verse 19 says this, Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Now, something that I'm really horrible at in life is math. Anyone relate to that? I don't like math. If, if I could just never do that again, I would be really happy. I'm so grateful for smartphones because they've got calculators. They've got, you know, you don't have to. Who remembers paying for things with cash? Anyone? I know that was a while ago for some of us. We haven't done that in at least two years, probably longer. Math is not my thing. But there's a principle in math that when you're teaching math to a, a child, you teach them that you can't subtract three from two right? That needs to be a baseline in their understanding. You can't take away three from two. That way, they've got a baseline, they've got an understanding. Now, we know that there are negative numbers, right? Some of you are like, wait a minute, hang on. Negative numbers? What? I missed that bit. There are negative numbers, and you can actually subtract three from two, and it's negative one, that's debt. Most of Western society has a bit of an issue with that at the moment. So what we have is a reality that starts with a baseline. And something that Jesus is trying to point out to the disciples and to the people listening to him is what was said in the Old Testament, in the Torah and in the prophecies, is a baseline. And it can't be touched. It shouldn't be adjusted. You can't take things out of it because what happens is if you took one out of the equation, there's a number missing and you can't have a baseline anymore. So what Jesus is saying, hey, we need this baseline of the Old Testament of the Torah. In fact, anyone who removes the littlest bit, anyone who removes an exclamation point from it, that's going to take away their kingdom of heaven points. Now, I don't know how that works and I don't necessarily think that that's like the practical thing that's going to happen. But the example is, that's not cool. That's not what he's here to do. He's actually here to add something to it that's going to make the whole picture come together. He's here to bring it all into focus. And the introduction of his kingdom was upside down. So I just want to reread the Beatitudes because I think it gives a really good clue in to what it looks like to live in an upside down kingdom. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So when you read the Beatitudes, one thing I love is all but the last two 
are actually focused not on the outward working of what you do, but the posture of your heart. Meekness is not an action, it's an attitude. Being a peacemaker is, it's a heart posture. It's, I want this person to be in right relationship with this person, and I'm going to stand in the middle, in the gap, and be a mediator between these people. My heart is set in that sort of a place. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. So what Jesus is saying, what he's doing, is he's shifting focus away from blessed are the ones who follow the Torah to the letter. Blessed are the ones who never miss a Sabbath. Blessed are the ones who sacrifice exactly the right amount of doves at exactly the right time of year. And blessed are the ones who can afford to do this. He's not saying that. He's talking about and wanting to shift focus on blessed are the ones whose hearts are full of me, whose hearts are full of love, whose hearts are full of a desire to bring restoration to a broken world. I think that's a really hectic thing to grasp, that Jesus is, is in this moment absolutely outside of the cultural norm. Like you, you don't get much further outside of ancient Israel norm than saying, guys, all these rules that you're following to the letter aren't actually getting you any closer to my kingdom. They're not actually bringing you closer to God. And everyone is freaking out. So the Torah was a baseline, as a foundation for the kingdom that was coming. So I'm going to read verse 20. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now a little bit of background. Does anyone here know what a scribe or a Pharisee is? Anyone? A few people? What was a trademark of a scribe or a Pharisee? Anyone? Sticking to the law. That's right. So these guys, these guys were so good at sticking to the law. In fact, they were basically perfect. These guys, if they like coughed wrong, they would go wash and sacrifice. They were so stuck on doing the perfect right thing. They spent so much time. They spent their entire lives devoted to following the Torah to perfection. And Jesus has just said, if you are not more righteous than them, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So things are getting a bit confusing now. We're like, wait a minute, isn't this about less rules? Isn't this about not having so many specific things we're following? And probably the disciples were like, whoa, 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 what's going on? And you're absolutely right. It does sort of seem like Jesus is saying, you need to follow new rules. And to bring some clarity to that, I want to read John chapter 13 and verse 34. Jesus said to them, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. You see, Jesus saw just following the Torah, just following the law as inadequate to building the kingdom of God. Because this kingdom was only going to be accessible through him and who he was and the completed work that he was bringing. And one of the completed works that he was bringing was a new law, a new rule, a rule that supersedes all the other rules. And it was in Matthew chapter 22, verse 36, that Jesus said this, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. 
This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the laws and the prophets. So what's Jesus saying here? He's like, hey, you can follow every single one of those rules to the letter, but they're all pointing to one place. Jesus' perspective on the Old Testament, on the Torah, is that it was pointing towards a new way of living. It was setting a foundation for us to know how to love God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength, and to teach us to love our neighbor as ourselves. You see, Jesus was taking all the focus off of getting every little detail of our lives right, and he was saying the detail that, that this kingdom is going to focus on is your love for God and your love for the person next to you. And that's what Jesus is inviting them into. You see, a lot of times in our lives, we can get caught up in this idea that the thing that defines our worth is how well we do at a given thing. Who feels that way? Anyone? I know that I definitely do. I know that preaching is definitely one of those things that I just, it's so tricky for me because I get so nervous about what if I say the wrong thing Partly because there's a verse in the Bible that says, if you lead someone astray, you're going to hell. So there's a little bit of pressure on that, and I think that can be taken a little bit out of context, but that's definitely part of the fear when you step up in front of people. It's like, whoa, but it's a scary thing, right? It's terrifying. It's absolutely mortifying when you're like, I hope that's not how that goes, because I'm sure that I've taught something that isn't perfect, right? I'm sure that somewhere along, I started preaching when I was 16 years old, okay? What do 16-year-olds know? <laughs> Especially 16-year-old Jake, not much. I just knew that I liked to talk. That was pretty much where I had arrived at that point. And man, I'm pretty sure I taught some pretty ridiculous things. And in that place, in that very real place, where I'm a little bit too focused on me, I'm a little bit too focused on how I feel or what's going on inside of me, what I can miss is that, you know, God actually tends to use willing people. God actually tends to use us if we're just willing to step out and say something kind, if we're just willing to step out and do something kind, he actually uses that to build the kingdom. As I was sitting in that chair with this lady just going in my hair with a razor and she's gone quiet, I was like, oh no. She found out I'm a pastor. No, she knew that I was a pastor now and she didn't really know what to do and she's trying to cut hair and I was like, you know, it actually sounds like you had a really nice weekend. Like, where'd you go? And she starts to tell me where she went. I was like, oh, did you go with your friends? And we started go having this conversation. I was like, oh, yeah, I went to this festival at Hope Estate. It was a barbecue and beer festival. Please don't judge me. The barbecue was amazing. I'm a massive fan of steak. So I went, and it was amazing. And so I shared that with her, and I just started talking to her about life. And by the end of it, she said to me, you know, I could see why you would be a good youth pastor you're really safe to talk to. Like, that's not because I'm a special person. That's because I felt so bad that somewhere along the line, her interaction with Christians and with God had led her to a place that she felt threatened in my presence. And I was so sad by that. So this is what God invites us into. This is the kingdom that he's inviting his people to build. This is the kingdom that he's inviting you to build. He's given us a new command. And the new command and the old command, they get married in this place where Jesus is saying, all of these old laws and old rules don't get thrown away. 
They get stood on, firm, steady foundation. You know the story. You know the pain of trying to follow the law to the letter. You know that you can never achieve that in all reality. And the old command, in the, the first command in the Old Testament is love the Lord the, your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. And Jesus adds to that. He says, love your neighbor as yourself. And in this place, when these two things get together, when these two commands combine, that's where the kingdom of God is built. And that's what he's inviting us to do here tonight. So if the band wants to come back up, that would be phenomenal. And so what I'd love to do is just have a little bit of a think as we wrap up about this idea of, you know, we love God, we try to follow the rules, we do those things, and yes, that's very important. But in that space, where is our heart? What is our motivation behind that? Is it a fear of punishment? Is it a fear of not looking good enough for the social circle, circle that you're in? What is your motivation behind that? And the second bit is, are we people who have decided, I'm just going to find a way to radically love everyone next to me? As I'll do whatever I can so that the person that I encounter at the shops, the person that I encounter when I wake up in the morning, that that person knows that they're loved by me. And the reality of it is we're not always going to get it right. The reality of it is we're going to fall totally short. Jesus strips it back here, and he's like, hey, guys, the other stuff's important, but what's really important is this, and we're still going to fall short of God's glory in this place. But what this does is it sets a new baseline, a new expectation for ourselves, and it's this. Hey, did you love God today? So ask yourself, did you love him today? Were there moments when you loved him today? Even if you didn't love him perfectly, were there moments when you chose to love him today? And secondly, were there moments when you chose to love others today? Notice that there's nothing in this about enforcing God's rules on other people. It's all about how you posture your heart towards God and how you posture your heart towards other people. So with that, Jesus, we love you. And we thank you that our hearts can be postured towards you and towards others in a way that is loving, in a way that is meek and that is kind. And Jesus, in a way that isn't proud, it isn't arrogant. And Jesus, in that place where we decide, you know, I might not be perfect, but I am going to try to love God. And I might not be perfect in relationships, but I am going to try to bless the person standing next to me. And as a community, God, as we stand before you and say, this is all we have, and really, even these two are really difficult for us, God, but we just choose today that we're going to try to love you. We're going to take it moment by moment, day by day, step by step, and an entire community of people who say, oh, I loved God today. Oh, I loved the people next to me today. God, we know that that is what's going to build your kingdom that that is what's going to build a safe place for anyone to be. That's going to build opportunity for your spirit to just come and dwell and sit on us, Jesus. So we choose you, we choose to love you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sunday podcast. If you enjoyed it, either subscribe or follow on the podcast app that you use to keep up to date on when our next Sunday podcast gets released. Have a safe and blessed week.